good to be in church. Um, got something on my heart today. I really felt, um, I've really been enjoying preparing this message and um, been stirred the last um, few months, really. Just been giving my attention and my thoughts to um, miracles. Miracles. You up for a miracle? Yeah, I'm up for a miracle. I'm ready for one. Um, I'm expectant. I'm believing God's going to do great things. Not just today, but just in the days ahead. I just believe God. I just want to speak into this space and just give some thoughts. I really enjoyed um, Crystal's message. Wasn't that so good about the sour grapes, eh? Wasn't that so good? I was thinking, I've been reading about how the scriptures so tie into what Jesus did. I was reading about the various feasts that the uh, Jews had to keep. You know, he died on the Passover. He just picked every day right. You know, he rose on the third day. You know what the third day was after that one? It was the Feast of First Fruits. You know, with the Feast of First Fruits, they were meant to come and bring the first fruits and wave it before the Lord. You know, and Jesus came out of that grave just waving the first fruits of his risen. And, you know, I just think, when I think of the greatest miracle on the earth today, it's us. It's the church. I mean, I don't know exactly, but a couple of billion people since that first fruits got waved. With the Spirit of God living in their hearts that know, know him, that have, been, that have been born again, that have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into his wonderful light. And the Holy Spirit has made his home in their hearts. Perhaps, you know, one, one third, third of the earth. The best is yet to come. And um, personally, each of us is a living miracle. The change that we've experienced since Jesus came into our life, the people that know you are closest before that miracle occurred will testify only God could do that. A miracle is something that only God could do, something supernatural, something beyond what is even possible. For us that believe in the outpouring of the Spirit for today, you know, we call ourselves Pentecostals or Charismatics or whatever the term is, we believe the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost and he's still working in the earth today and he's working through us. His work has not ceased. The Spirit's power has not waned. Has it waned? I tell you, I've just been stirred about this. And we believe that God is still doing miracles today. In fact, I was reading, uh, I was listening to a guy, an academic, you know, sort of like, sometimes I sort of lean into that, but really enjoyed this guy. He'd researched it. He said there's millions of Christians today, millions that have been eyewitnesses themselves to miraculous works of God, healings, deliverances, and resurrections, all sorts of things. He's written a book. He actually researched all these things from some research work, finished up with, I don't know, two great big volumes that were so full that uh, probably be a huge job to read, and he's condensed it into a little book called Miracles Today. I put it in, on my Kindle. I'm just waiting for it to be released in the next 
in the next few weeks. I was listening to him talk on a, on a discussion thing. He said in 2006 they did some research. They surveyed Pentecostals and Charismatics in just 10 countries, just 10. Just picked out 10. And of those people, 200 million said they had witnessed miracles. 200 million. Even if 1% of them, you know, they were going to quibble about a few. Millions have witnessed miracles. Even the control group, for those that know how surveys are done, which was other... Christians of all faiths that maybe didn't believe that these things were today, 39% of them said they'd seen them. I think that's pretty good. Who's been an eyewitness to a miracle? Just wave your hand. You know, the room's full of people that have seen God do miracles. I just want to stir our faith today. I just want to encourage us to expect more, to believe for more. A few months ago, I shared from Acts 1.8. It said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth, even Moodlu, even Kabulcha. We are empowered for a purpose. We are the people of God on mission and the miraculous will be evident in, the, in any church on mission. In Mark, it says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. If they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. Exciting words, isn't it? Do we believe it? Do we believe it? A few months or two ago, I'm not sure when, I was really caught up um, with the passage from Isaiah. It was in July. I shared it on, online because we couldn't have church that day. I was really, really blessed with this verse from Isaiah. I so love the book of Isaiah, so full of prophetic words of the Messiah and what Jesus was going to do, so full of things to uh, stir your heart. This is what Isaiah said, oh that, thou, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, and that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire would cause the water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. We're feeling his presence here today, aren't we? You're feeling his presence in the worship and in what's being shared. And when we hear his word, his presence is here. It says, when you did awesome things that we did not look for, the unexpected happened. You came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. He acts for us who wait for him. My whole thrust was, you know, we all long for God to act, and the, but the key is, are, are we waiting for him? It's not a passive waiting. We're not sitting here in a doctor's surgery waiting for our appointment. 
We are sitting here with expectant hearts that are praying, that are sowing, that are believing, that are lifting our hearts. We're waiting, we're stepping out, we're doing things for God because we believe God acts for those who wait for him. Most challenging part of that passage when it goes on is verse 7. It says, There is none who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of me. I just felt stirred. Are we going to take hold of all that God has for us? Are we going to take hold of the Lord? Maybe you might be thinking that preaching such messages about miracles is not always helpful. Maybe it just aggravates frustration. Maybe you get stirred up and your expectations raised and nothing gets delivered. Maybe. Maybe it just aggravates for some striving. We feel a little sort of guilty and we think we get into a a mindset of works that miracles are the reward for greater prayer, fasting, holiness. You know, but the pattern of Scripture is we have a God of all grace. It's something we need to receive. It's something we need to believe. Faith is, is what Scripture talks about, not merit through works. But still, I think for all of us, we wrestle with an inward nagging. Do you feel that? Do you sometimes just, when, when you read scriptures and you, you uh, hear stories, that there's something in you that's thirsting and wanting more? We know God. We know he's the maker of heaven and earth. He's the God who parted the Red Sea. He opens barren wombs. He stops the mouths of lions. He calms storms. He casts out demons. Heals lepers, opens blind eyes, even raises the dead. And I mean, we could go on with list after list after list. The scriptures declare it. The spirit inside of us witnesses with it. There's a yes inside. And our salvation, what we've experienced from God, just the fact that we got saved and we got born again and our lives were changed and we knew that our sins were forgiven and we knew that we had power to live for him, we know that we're living in the day of miracles. In fact, it's been the day of miracles since Jesus went to heaven. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because, because what? Because I'm going to the Father. Where is he? He's with the Father. We are living in a present Evil age, Paul says, but we're also experiencing the age that is to come that's broken into uh, this time and space when, at the time when Jesus came and uh, he said the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. We just need to be expectant for miracles. This is the church's day. This is harvest time. You know, those first fruits have been waved. There's more to come. These are the last days that are spoken by Joel. The Spirit of God has been outpoured. And yet there's a nagging in our heart that says, where is the God of Elijah? You know, I feel like sometimes we just, I don't know, we just need to get more bold. Maybe get a, get a jacket and start hitting the ground. Maybe pull off your mask for a second and hit the ground, you know. Where is the God of Elijah? We have this um, value that we put up on a wall because it's, it's us. 
says we are dependent on the empowering, empowering presence of the Holy Spirit and therefore hunger for a life that is intimate with God. We want to be close to him. And then it says, and contend for the miraculous. Why contend? Why make the effort? There's probably a lot of reasons. I thought of two. Probably these two are enough for me. First one is simple obedience. Scripture exhorts me and all of us to contend for what God has made available for us. Acts 4, when you read there, it talks about they called on God for boldness and for God to stretch forth his hand to heal and signs and wonders to be performed. There was a prayer in their heart, God make us bold. But, you know, in what we're doing, you stretch forth your hand. You do what you're doing. Paul commanded us to pursue spiritual gifts. He said to pursue love, you know, because love is the motive. Love's got to be behind all this. You know, they put the love chapter right there in the midst of all uh, the talk about spiritual gifts. Uh, but he said, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. He went on to say, to each is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good. There's something that's been given into each of us. There's a deposit of the Spirit of God, and it's for one another, and it's for what God wants to do. Paul goes on to talk from there about all the gifts, that the revelation gifts, the gifts of faith, the gifts of healing, the gifts of miracles, prophecy, tongues, all manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We need to obey. We need to do what the Scripture exhorts us. The second thing that I think about is we need it. We need it. You know, how do we expect to do God's work without God's help? We need the power of God. How do we have any hope of fulfilling the Great Commission without the power of God? Where is the most growth in the church in the world today where the Holy Spirit is active and alive and given room? And it's just as essential if we're going to meet the human need of our day, how are we going to do that except with the power of God? The brokenness we see, uh, the distress, all the things we even shared today, the addictions, the dysfunction, there's so much that we need him for. Isaiah 61 has Jesus' commission, which he got up in Nazareth, and declared, and it still remains the same calling for the church today. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound. It's so, I've just been so stirred about this whole thought about God acts for those who wait for him. God acts for those that contend. God acts for those that are, are up for more, that want to reach out for more. And um, I got stirred when I read a story about a great contender. I want to read about him today. He was a believer in the early church, I believe, because he followed Jesus. And he contended and received a really great miracle. 
He was one of Jesus' disciples, a little bit late on the scene. In fact, he only came on the scene in Jesus' last week of ministry. When Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified, he lived in Jericho, about 15 miles outside of Jerusalem. He was blind and he was a beggar. And Jesus was at the threshold of completing his mission. He's leaving Jericho and he's heading to Jerusalem for the Passover, where in a few days he will suffer and die for the sins of the world. His name is Bartimaeus. I just want to read you the story. I just want picture yourself there, however you can do that. It's in Mark. And it says, And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I don't know. I don't know how he would have called out, but he would have called out with everything he had. And it says, and many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped, called him. And they called the blind men, saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. What a great story, eh? My plain reading of that little passage leads me to believe that Bartimaeus' miracle turned on one hinge. He cried out. It just took me back to Isaiah, you know. Oh, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. The flow of the event is that they were heading out of town. Whatever was planned for Jericho was done. Everything on the, on the agenda was probably completed. However, someone interrupted the flow of events with a cry. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. History turns. This is what I felt God say to me. History turns on those who cry out. Are we those that are going to cry out? Are we going to cry out for more? Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. I think Jesus says to me, a little passion would help. A little desperation might shift history. Are we crying out? Are we praying? Are we serious about this? I mean, I'm challenged. I've been reading this the last few days, thinking about Bartimaeus. You know, his cry was more than just a cry of pain. It was a cry with conviction. Bartimaeus said something profound. He said, Jesus, 
son of David. You know, this is a a little phrase like son of man. It means the Messiah. To the Jews, you know, for a Jew to cry out that it's almost, you know, well, it is a title for the Messiah. And Bartimaeus was crying out, Jesus, Messiah, have mercy on me. You know, the book of Mark has this theme in it when you study it. They talk about uh, the secrecy of his, the fact that he's the Messiah. It's hard, you know, it's, it's sort of kept as a secret. It's hardly said. And then you get Peter somewhere along in this, or, or, or he, he confesses and says, you are, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You know what I mean? It's like the secret's getting out. And uh, the, the end of Mark, it's when, when Jesus is on the cross, you know, and that Roman guy spears him. Remember that? I think spear. And, and someone watches him die. And it's, you know, and he says, he, he, he said, truly, this is the Son of God. You know, it's like the revelation starts to hit. Well, smack bang in between these two things is, is this story, you know? Somebody else is getting the revelation. This is the Messiah. You know, when, when Messiah comes, stuff happens. Mark is doing more than just giving us an account of this miracle. He's teaching us something. That Bartimaeus' faith, his confidence that Jesus is the Messiah, was, was critical. And Jesus affirmed this at the end. He said, go your way, your faith has made you whole. Mark is teaching a simple truth. Those who believe who Jesus is and have faith will see miracles. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Do you, do you wonder where his conviction came from? I started to think about this, you know. Bartimaeus is a beggar. He's blind, probably can't read, didn't have braille. But he'd heard about Jesus. He had a conviction that he was the Messiah and he had a conviction that he had the power to heal of, him, of his blindness if only he could get his attention, if only he could stop him. How could he arrive at this conviction? I thought about his begging spot. You know, I, I was a paper boy once when I was in year eight at school, I think it was, must have been 12, and I had my spot by the traffic lights on uh, Boundary Road down near Cooper's Plains. A lot of traffic, traffic all got queued and I managed to just hang out on the traffic light when all the cars were queued, walking in amongst the three lanes selling papers. Paper, telly, city final. That was me screaming out, but um, probably a lot louder than that with a squeaky voice or something. Anyway, and Bartimaeus had his spot. He was camped on the road out of Jericho, 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem. You know what was often passing by there was pilgrims, Jewish, committed people wanting to get to the feast, coming up three times a year, all those that were close. Would have been traffic jams there, I bet. Would have been traffic jams on this day that he was there. Jesus is coming up with a whole crowd. They're all heading for the feast. It meant something to them. He probably grew up hearing uh, stories about the Messiah. He would have heard the law and the prophets. He would have known 
what, what God had said. Perhaps he got in on some discussions from Isaiah 35, the one I read last week. It says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Maybe he heard about David's initial capture of Jerusalem from the Jebusites. I was thinking about this. Some people refer to this. They mocked David when he came up to take the city. And he said, they mocked him with these words, you will not come in here, but the blind and the lame will ward you off. And Jesus is heading into Jerusalem. And uh, someone wrote, you know, I trust this is true. I haven't confirmed at all. But in all the Gospels, Jesus did only two miracles recall, ordered uh, in Jerusalem. One is the healing of a lame man at the pool of Bethesda. And the other is the healing of a man born blind at the pool of Shalom. The king's heading up to Jerusalem. The lame and the blind are not going to stop him. He's going to take the city. He's going for it. And Bartimaeus, maybe he's just joining dots here. He's blind, he can't see, but he's taking it all in. He's hearing stories. He's hearing about Jesus. He's hearing the miracles. He's maybe he's somewhere heard him speak. I don't know. But he's arrived at a place where he's absolutely convinced this guy is the Messiah. And my Bible tells me when he's around, miracles happen. And if I can just stop him while he's passing by, if I can get his attention, I can be healed. I just, I just love this guy. What's our conviction? Are we living in the day of miracles? Is Jesus ascended to heaven? Is the Holy Spirit being outpoured today? Is he still working? Are there still greater works for us to do? Are we putting our faith into action like Bartimaeus? What a challenge he is. He was determined. He had more than just one shot in his locker. Bartimaeus did not just make one cry and hope for the best. He was determined. It says, and many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Shut up, Bartimaeus. Just wanted to shut him down. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus is not put off by those who would attempt to silence him, telling him to shut up. Not by those who are going to mock him or shame him. This was no polite, passive prayer. This was an unashamed and courageous cry of faith. He knew who was passing by. He knew he could be healed. And he cried out all the more. And it says those wonderful words, Jesus stopped and said, call him. He got it. He got what he, he, got what he cried out for. Jesus stopped. When did you last stop Jesus? I just thought about that. I thought the times in my life, the most difficult times, the most out on the edge, the most painful times perhaps, 
I tell you what, there's a cry comes, isn't there? Um, maybe not a cry of, of, you know, despair and all that, but something in your heart begins to say, well, God, only you can help me. And there's a cry of faith. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. I wonder if um, the team could come up, Kim as well. We'll just, um, just finish with a song as we come to the end of this. How confident Bartimaeus was. How strong was his conviction. We might sing that blessed assurance as we finish up soon. How confident was Bartimaeus. It says he threw off his cloak and sprang up and came to Jesus. There was nothing wrong with his legs. And um, he sprang up. Like his cloak was his security. His cloak was all he had. His cloak was a beggar's cloak. But he just thought, I've got it. He's heard me. I've stopped him. And I'm letting everything go and I'm going for it. And Jesus said, come. And said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Why would Jesus ask him that? I don't know, you know. Would he just say... Um, well, obviously I'm blind, you know. can hardly make my way through the crowd. I don't know. You imagine a blind man running. He's probably being led. He's probably a bit awkward. Uh, Jesus knows he's blind. Jesus knows what he wants. But he asks him, what do you want for me to do for you? I just reckon Jesus was energising this guy's faith, asking him to voice it. To speak it out. You know, some, some, sometimes in my life I can have a need before God and I'm just letting it mull away inside. This quiet little voice inside that's just saying, God, can you fix this? God, can you fix this? God, can you help? It's a cry. It's in there. But I think it helps to voice it. It helps to start praying. It helps to get in your closet and call on God. Something shifts when we give voice to our cry. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. What a question. What do you want me to do for you? You know, an open, um, an open check just about. Ask and you shall receive. He says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Seems that he was not blind maybe from birth. I don't know. But he was blind. And at that day, on this day, as Jesus was heading out of, of Jericho, finished with the day's business, heading for the main thing, to give his life for us, to die, to suffer, to die, and to rise again and to see everything that we see today happen. On his way out, he's going to take the city, he's going to take the prize, but he's got one last thing. He's going to take the blind. You know, I just love the pictures. And, and Jesus says to him, you know, I guess Jesus just must have been smiling. You know, it's like another prophecy fulfilled about all he's meant to do. He says, go your way. Your faith has made you well.
Bartimaeus received his miracle. He contended and he prevailed. I believe God calls all of us to contend for God's glory, for his work to be done, and for the needs of the world that is around us. We need to contend for miracles today. How do we contend for them? On our Jericho Road, how do we stop Jesus and catch his attention instead of him just passing by to the next thing? We believe. We raise our expectation. God acts for those who wait for him. For those who take him at his word and have a cry of faith, who ask and hunger. And the other way we contend is we step out in faith. We make room for a miracle. We pray for someone. We share the good news. We share the gospel. That environment of just opening, just engaging with people and their need, bringing in the story of what Jesus has done for them and our story about what he's done for us, what God can do for them. Just being on mission, just getting in the trenches, just doing what we're called to do. The last thing we need is a formula. But I believe Mark wrote a lesson for us today. God is still doing miracles and healing today. 200 million people can't all be wrong. I believe 200 million people are right. God is still doing miracles and healing today and we need to simply believe and in childlike faith step out and see God act on our behalf. Let us stir our hearts and lay hold of him. I just wonder if you could stand, just going to close with a song. I just want you to lift your expectation today.